Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, I came to preach a sermon entitled Principle Above Conviction. Principle Above Conviction. I will teach some of us how to learn to obey the truth. Because some people know the truth. They know what they must do and what they must not do, but they were never taught how to obey the truth. It appears to be automatic that because somebody knows the truth, therefore they know how to do it or how to apply it. But in most cases of our Christian work, I realized as a man of God and the many things that I've exercised myself personally into and the lives of people that have been given the opportunity to study and look at over the years, and I have seen that it's a different conversation when you have to teach somebody to learn how to obey the truth. There's somebody out there, for example, who knows that you have to tithe. They know it, but they're not tithing. And they have their reasons. You know, my job doesn't pay me enough, or I have an outstanding loan with this bank, or I have problems, or sometimes I don't know how to do this. You see, and they can give all sorts of excuses. They know what to do, but they don't know how to do it. They don't have the power to do it. You see, they don't have a certain understanding to obey the truth. And so it goes through many things that many of us know by Scripture, but we are not able to do. And that's a dangerous place for us to be as Christians. The Bible says, For he that knoweth to do and doeth not, to him is what? Sin. Somebody shout, Hallelujah. But anyway, I'm taking an interesting time in the days of Paul, of an event that happened in his days, has happened almost in every dispensation before and after the coming of Jesus Christ. Certain experiences have repeated themselves through history. And thank God when we can find bearing in scripture and find places where we can quote these things and relate with those experiences that the Lord is teaching us. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul is teaching about the life that we have in Christ, the experiences of this person, Jesus Christ. And then during that time, certain confusions come into the church and men were judging each other on substance, on foods, on drinks, on Sabbaths. You know, this guy does not do this, therefore he's wrong. This brother doesn't do this, therefore he's not right. This sister goes this way. This sister eats this food, even though she's born again. This brother, you know, has this number of cleansings, even though he's Christian. And then it's one thing after another. And then in that time, Paul is trying to help the church separate the shadow from the substance. He's trying to help the church separate the person of Jesus Christ and the things that his person will cast as shadows. And how many people live within the shadows and not the experience of the revelation of the person who both dwells in them 
And in him, they live, move, and have their own being. He's trying to help the church live a more excellent life of understanding. Because even though some of these things might seem like they're a little talk, but sometimes these are the things that destroy the destinies of many people. I've been seen Christians in my life, in my walk of salvation, studied people whose lives are stuck, they're destroyed. Some are dead. Some are dead. Some have lost their marriages, have lost their businesses, have lost, you know, their course in life. They have not married the people they weren't supposed to marry. They were serving where they were not supposed to serve because of such things. And we see an experience in the time of Paul where because of how men had viewed life and their own personal experiences, the traditions of that time, they built around doctrines surrounding their convictions, not necessarily the word or the principles that govern truth. The principles that govern truth. And so, in the 18th verse of Colossians, the second chapter, let's read the Amplified Version. He says, let no one defraud you by acting as an umpire and declaring you unworthy and disqualifying you for the prize, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, taking his stand on visions. He claims he has seen. He takes a stand on visions. He claims he has seen, vainly puffed up by his sensuous notions, and inflated by his unspiritual thoughts and fleshly conceit, and not holding fast, underline verses 19, and not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body supplied and knit together by means of its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. That's a very powerful scripture right there. So Paul, let me begin from verses 19. He's trying to help us understand that Jesus Christ is the head of the church and we are the body of Christ. And we, as the body of Christ, are many members and parts and each one with their own gifting and their own calling, their own ability, diversions of ministry, diversions of administration and all of that, the Bible says, is the same spirit with the Lord. But in the body of Christ, the Bible says that there are individuals that refuse to hold fast the head from whom the entire body supplied and knit together by means of its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that only God can give. So they refuse to get a hold of the mind of Christ. When the Bible says they are not holding fast to the head, what is the head? The head is Christ, isn't it? And in the physical sense, what does your head do? Your head thinks. It's the seat of the intellect, you see? It's a place where you think and reason. It's the place where you apply your understanding. It's a place where you interpret with your own wisdom the things of life and the way to go. It's a place of direction. The body is just a vessel, isn't it? So Paul is telling us that somebody is part of the body of Christ, but they refuse to get a hold of the head. So they are, yes, part of the body, but they refuse to do what the head wants them to do. Just imagine a situation where one part of your body is shaking, but in your mind you have not instructed it to shake. So you're talking about our physical interpretation. You're talking about a sick person. Because why should your body do what it's not supposed to do from your mind? Why is your leg shaking involuntarily? There's something wrong with the individual. 
So we have such parts. Paul has seen and tested that experience. And he says, we have such parts in the body of Christ, which are moving and functioning on their own leading, their own instruction, their own understanding and wisdom, but not necessarily holding on to the wisdom and opinion of Jesus Christ. Again, because they were never taught to learn how to obey the truth, how to stick to the head. And so because of this, he says, if by the head, every ligament and joint is joined together to grow with the very growth with which God grows us. That means that part of the body is disconnected from the working of the head. It will not grow like it is supposed to grow. So they frustrate even the masses and graces that are supposed to work in their lives for the progress and increase that they so should have as believers. So Paul is telling us that somebody gets so vainly puffed up by his sensuous notions or ideas and inflated by his unspiritual thoughts and fleshly conceit, right? Somebody gets an unspiritual thought and then becomes proud. They become vainly or in a very useless way proud by their carnal notions and ideas. They build doctrines and thoughts and opinions that are representing every sense of pride and in Psalms what he calls the throne of iniquity. How they exercise mischief by some law. How somebody, even using the word of God, can actually destroy another person, can actually destroy a marriage, can destroy a ministry, can destroy lives by the very words. They are seated at the throne of iniquity. And why does the Bible call them vainly puffed up? Because they do not appreciate the responsibility of Christ as the head of the body. They do not respect Jesus Christ as the author and finisher of our faith. They don't understand what it means to follow him to the letter. Remember, this Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. He's the source of our salvation. He's the reason why the church is standing to this hour, isn't it? So somebody ought to know that without Jesus, without the word that was made flesh, without that word, the church cannot stand. And I'm going to get to that a bit later. So they started to get visions, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels. They started to teach the worship of certain angels. Why? Because Paul is explaining that they have a stand on visions. They claim to see in the spirit Oh, I had a dream that this is this, so it must be so. Oh, I had a vision last night I was praying, and that vision can only be right. Oh, I had a, an experience in the spirit, and that experience should be right. Why? Because probably I'm a prophet. Maybe I'm an apostle. Maybe I'm a pastor. Maybe in my life, I have probably had two or three experiences where I have seen or dreamt things, and they're accurate, and they've come to pass. And sometimes I'm not able to you know, distinguish the voices. And one of those days, a familiar spirit comes on you and then you find yourself saying or doing something that is out of line or cannot agree with the head. And somebody insists and says, no, even though the head does not agree, <laughs> I am still right because in my own way, I feel I cannot be wrong. And that's self-abasement. You know, they're inflated by their own sensuous notions. They're carnal 
ideas, their own visions and thoughts. And such people have visions. Don't forget that. They claim to have visions. For those of you who might want a simple description of the two words that I want to use tonight, uh, principle above conviction. What is conviction? Conviction is an unshakable belief in something without the need for proof or evidence. That's a conviction. That unshakable belief in something without the need for proof or evidence. I don't need the proof of some. I don't need the evidence of some. I have an unshakable belief that this thing is true. This man is true. This way is true. This action is true. That's conviction. And what is principle? Principle is a basic generalization that is accepted as true and that can be used as a basis for reasoning or conduct. Did you hear that? It is a basic generalization. It's a foundational generalization that is accepted as, listen, true, and that can be used as a basis for reasoning or conduct. The most important word there in what is principle is truth. Isn't it? It's truth. That is why in biblical teaching, there's a study called hermeneutics. Sacred hermeneutics. It's a study of general principles of biblical interpretation because it was important for people to learn to interpret the scriptures right, to give the correct exegesis, the right critical interpretation of scripture is a very important thing because the church, if you study church history, and I may not have time to take us through that, we have had series of confusions within the church because people have wrongly misinterpreted scripture, which is the principle of God, the law of God. And because of that, some have used scripture to define their own convictions, their own convictions, which are already proud and inflated and vainly puffed up, he said, because they are not aligned to the head, which is Christ. So all of us who go to school, have gone to school, and have studied scriptures, will understand the basic relationship that the head has over the body. This is common sense. And all of us know, Christians, who have studied the word for some time, that Christ is the word of God, isn't it? He's the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his only glory as the only true son of God, full of grace and truth. Are you following? So Christ is represented in the person of the word. So when the Bible says that they do not hold to the head, that means that they have no bearing with the word, even though they carry conviction. They cannot justify their convictions with truth. And some, even when they know the word, they interpret it differently. Are you hearing me? Such that it can suit their conviction and not necessarily what is true. Somebody shout hallelujah. This is irregardless of whether you went to a Bible school or you didn't. I've seen people with PhDs of theology, but they don't hold to the head. They are, oh, unfortunately, puffed up by their theology. They're proud and vainly puffed up indeed because of their degrees that they have, their PhDs that they have in theology. Theology is a study about God. It's not necessarily the revelation of God. And I'm not against theology. Don't get me wrong. I always tell people, if you can't go study theology. But not all of the people will go to the school 
that she went to, and not everyone who did not go to theology school does not know God. That's a wrong assumption. A man met me recently and told me he had two or three degrees in different fields that are connected to the Christian faith. And he had a PhD also somewhere. And then he told me, I've studied. I even teach. But my ministry is struggling. So you think, oh, because the man has all these books in the library, he should be able to teach better. It's, it's not so. It's not so. Oh, which Bible school did Paul go to? Again, I'm not against Bible school, but which Bible school did Paul go to? So I believe some people are for Bible school. I believe it. And I believe some people are not for Bible school because they can't be taught by God unless you assume that somebody can only be taught in your Bible school. But without your Bible school, God cannot teach a man. Ha! Is that so? No. That's the problem with the disciples of Jesus Christ. We found a man cousin out devils in your name. We forbid him because he does not follow with us. Why? Because he can only be in this school where you're teaching us for him to know how to cast out devils. <laughs> Jesus tells them, look, this man is not against us. It's for us. Should they have asked him, how did he learn if he was not with us? It's amazing what Jesus would have given the church. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, I'll give a few examples. Somebody meets a woman, gets married. He's a born again guy, Christian, born again Christian. Meets a woman who is also born again. And then the two say, you know, let us settle in holy matrimony. And then they get married. One year, two, three, four, five years. And this woman is not acting to be born again. She's truly born again. But perhaps she has a few witnesses. And a man one day meets a prophetess. And they relate, and this woman prophesies very accurate things in the life of this man. And then one day she says, but you know, the Lord has also showed me that that woman is not your wife. You see? Of course, there are many Christians who say, but that's obvious. And the same people, unfortunately, are doing things like that. It's just a different script. But it's the same way. So, this prophetess tells this person, this person goes to this woman, he's lived with for 10, 15 years, and he says, you know, you're not my wife. You're not my wife. <gasps> but they joined us in church. Ah, la, 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 la. No, 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 no. In fact, now I can connect. The way you talk to me. I was wondering why when I sleep, I don't know, they heard of a story of a guy who used to dream his wife abusing him. So one day he got a cane. And then he put it on his bedside. So the wife asks him, why do you have a cane when we're going to sleep? He says, I always dream when you're abusing me. <laughs> this time, abuse me. Put his stick on the side. Should he dream when she's quarreling with him? Somebody told him that if she quarrels with you in the spirit, she's actually quarreling with your spirit. So he got his stick and put it on the side, waiting. If she dare... Now imagine that kind of woman in the bed. What prayer would she make? <laughs> Are you following? So, that marriage gets dissolved. And the prophetess even tells this man who to marry. And the marriage is dissolved. Destroyed totally. And the children, the damage it will put on them, the misrepresentation on the church and Christianity because somebody got a conviction 
but they were not wise enough to understand that no conviction is above principle. No conviction is above principle. And what is principle? Truth. No conviction is above the word of God. When I was growing up, my first ministry was in, we used to have those village community churches where we used to go to to preach. I started one a couple of years ago. I ministered in quite many. I supported many over the years, still do, have relationships with some, still go and preach in the smallest churches of 2030. I still go. I just don't announce it, but I still go. And back in those years when I just started, one of the things that used to stand me was the conversations that sometimes when we sat with Christian ministers, guys who some who had theologies and diplomas and degrees, and they start very interesting conversations, very interesting conversations. Let's just say about a minister. And then they say, you know, we have heard that Brother Mark worships the devil, that he goes underground, that he has eggs, he can go into an egg and back. You used to hear conversations. And then, oh, he has a lion. He has a cat at his gate. He moves with a small stick. Ah, yeah, yeah. When that stick touches you, all your wealth will go to him. You know? And then you hear stories of people who have snakes in their homes. I heard things. So, because my foundation was the word, I fed on Kennedy Hagen. I'm a word guy. I mean, even if you come flying, I will weigh you by the word. Anyway, so my foundation was a word foundation. So I had many questions as a young believer because some of these guys actually, you know, they were reputable. They were fathers. They were old in the faith. You thought this man knew better. And so sometimes I would want to ask them a question and say, so who told you? And they say, I had. Who? Somebody told us. And then you say, okay, so who told you? Who really told you? So-and-so, okay, so who told that so-and-so? Ah, so-and-so, but okay, then who told that so-and-so? And then you get to so-and-so-and-so -and -so until you get to a point where there's a somebody who doesn't have a name and you'd give him a name and not, this is the devil. Are you following what I'm saying? Or they say, I got a vision. If I'm wrong, why did I dream him with a tiger? Can a man of God... <laughs> Can a man of God appear with a tiger? Listen, before the fall, Adam sat with his animals. Should we go there? You understand what I'm saying? So, <laughs> because they dreamt a man with a tiger, he must be wrong. So you tell him, okay, what does the word of God say? Can you give me, let's go back to the head, right? Let's go to the head. Can you give me a scriptural basis on which you will conclude that because you dreamt a brother with a dog or with a snake or with a cow, therefore is not of God? Or because they told you? Uh, I'll look for it. When should I call you? You wait one, two, three years in oblivion. It's nothing. See what I'm saying? Now, let me teach you especially who are submitted to this ministry. The foundation of all judgment, of all criticism, of all interpretation in life is based 
on the head and the head, which is the word. I might not know what that brother does in their bedroom. I might not know what that sister does in their days. I might not know where they go. I might not know what they do with their lives. But God has given us a foundation for us to base ourselves such that we are in the safe zones of interpretation and judgment. And he gave us the word. It doesn't matter. See, we've heard stories. Somebody says, you know, I was a devil worshiper. An example. Somebody says, I was a devil worshiper. And they say, and I went to hell and I saw this pastor, that pastor, that pastor, that pastor, that pastor. And you see Christians glued like. You see? And then somebody leaves their church the next day. Why? Because somebody from hell saw their pastor assumes in hell. So, if I was the devil, wouldn't it be a so easier way to send somebody to tell you that your pastor is mine? Because I know that you don't hold the head and you will not go in scripture to dispel that lie. Isn't it common sense? Isn't that common sense? If it was the devil, right? He would say no. These guys are so dumb that they actually don't read scripture that I can send anything to them and give it a conviction and they will allow it because they do not hold the head. That's the spirit of antichrist because it's against the mind of Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 verses 12, the amplified version, let's go a bit deeper. Now we're going in deep. Now the Bible says that the word that God speaks, the Bible says is alive and full of power. Do you agree? The word is full of power. Making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. Do you agree that the word of God is effective for anything? Do you agree that the word of God is operative in anything? Do you agree that the word of God is energized for anything? Do you agree that the word of God is enough for anything? Do you agree? Let's go together. So he says it is sharper than a two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life soul and of the immortal spirit it's the one thing that can go within the soul and into the spirit and discern and cut through it's the only thing that can go there you might not be able to go there but the word of god can go into a man's spirit it can go into a man's soul and of joints and marrows even into our bodies and it says of the deepest parts of our nature and the bible says exposing the word is exposing and what and sifting it is exposing and sifting it's exposing and sifting and he had had a third word and analyzing and fourth word judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart and he says and not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight but all things are open and exposed naked and defenseless to the eyes of him with whom we have to do do you believe that jesus sees everything that the word of God can connect anything together or cut through asunder and interpret anything? Do you believe that the word of God can expose anything? Do you believe that the word of God can sift anything? Do you believe that the word of God can analyze anybody? Do you believe that the word of God can judge anybody? Do you believe that the word of God can go into the insights, the thoughts and purposes of a man and expose them for what they really are? That means that the word is a principal judge 
He's the principal analyzer, not the guy who got a dream. The one is the principal critic, not the one who got a vision. The word is the principal exposer, not the one who got a video or an audio and recorded it. The word is the principle. I tell people, God cannot judge you where you have based on truth to refuse anything. It doesn't matter how it appears to be true. Because you're basing on the word. Isn't it? You're basing on the word. He's the head. It, regardless of whatever conviction you bring from me, I must connect it. One time there's an evangelist that I honor very greatly, very greatly. This guy. I've not known a guy who wins as many souls, you know, in this part of the world. Wins many souls. So one guy walked to me, a man of God, and he said, but you see, I've heard that this guy, um, he is uh, running his ministry under some powers that are not from God. Okay. So, I know he's your friend. Be careful with him. So I asked the dear minister and I said, okay, well, I'm going to ask in ignorance. Does he win souls? He said, yeah. Are you sure he wins souls? He says, yeah. So I asked him, so these souls that he wins, does he make them confess his name? He said, no. Does he make them confess his ideas and notions? No. What does it make them confess? The minister said, they confess Jesus as their Lord. And I said, so this guy is sent by Satan to depopulate hell. And I asked the minister, and you think Satan is that stupid? I said, yeah, you think Satan is that stupid? No, I meant to say to him, there's something wrong with you, man of God. But I hope you picked it. Because <laughs> when I said that stupid, I didn't say which stupid. You understand? But think about it. Doesn't the Bible, the same analyzer say that a divided kingdom cannot stand? Can you have a kingdom that has an army that is fighting against you? Would it be so dumb to have an army that is fighting against you? So I asked this man, and I said, have you won more souls than this man you're talking about? And he said, no. So I told him, then I think you are the enemy of the gospel, not him. The guy never talked to me again. You know why? Because I have chosen to judge this matter by what God gave me to judge with. Scripture. Truth. Somebody is destroying a man's life and ministry based on something that they will never have a bearing of Scripture for. Based on a conviction that if you told them, can you disqualify this person by Scripture? They don't have it. But they assume that they are right when they're already in trouble. <laughs> With truth. How is that true? How is that right? When you study the word therefore exposing, analyzing, that means the word is the true critic 
There's a Greek word there that also says the word is the real critic. It's the only thing that can actually criticize because I might not know this sister or brother, but the word knows their heart. And I can look at scripture and weigh them against this word and say that they're right or they're wrong. Let me even make it worse. Let's just say, if somebody lived in the days of David and David killed Uriah and took over his wife, how many believers would call David a false prophet? How many believers? That you know in our times would say, no, that's a false prophet. Why? Because he has done things that a man of God cannot do. Why? Because they have not read the analyzer, the judge, the true designer or critic of the hearts of men to understand that actually a brother or sister can even have a weakness, but that doesn't mean that they are not worshippers of God. In fact, God even worsens it and tells us David was a man after God's own heart. And then after they do that, they quote David. And you know why they quote him? Because it's in the Bible. Only because it's in the Bible. And they think it is true. But if he lived in 2021, ay, 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 David will be a cult. So, is he a cult because he sinned? And uh, there's somebody listening to me saying, ah, now listen, he's telling them to sin. <laughs> Do you think I'm that stupid? <laughs> oh, is the word that stupid? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Are you following? So, Anything that is brought to you should be analyzed against truth. We have had instances, you meet somebody and said, that's my husband. The Lord showed me. So the man gets married to another Christian girl. One year. And the girl still says, even if you spend 10 years, you're still my what? My husband. 15 years. He is still my husband, whether you believe it or not. Because God cannot lie to me. Listen. Okay, let's analyze this in the word. Let's get the true judge to know whether this sister really had God or they had a familiar spirit. Can you tell him, you see, would God define a conviction in your heart of a marriage and not give the equal conviction in the man who should marry you? Because the judge tells me that, that the testimony of two or three witnesses, every word is established. You have your own witness. Thank you. Who is the second witness? And they'll say, the Holy Spirit. What? So you and the Holy Spirit are the two? Yes. As I ask them, what about this man that you want to marry? You understand? What about this man you want to marry? You mean he's not a witness in this? He does not deserve to hear God also. Like you have heard God? He's confused. I wait for him to. He's just a confused man. And so, in his confusion, he got a Christian girl and married this Christian girl. And they've had one, two, three children. And the two are the confused one. <laughs> You're the wise one. <laughs> yeah, I'm the one who hears God. And when you study such people, they don't have fruit. They never have fruit. Because, again, the judge would say, we shall know them by their fruit. Isn't it? When you study such people, if you ask them, how many souls have you won in the previous year? They won't have many. If you look at their lives, their finances, their history, their vision, everything can show that they don't have fruit. You see what I'm saying? One time a lady came with a video of a guy 
from West Africa. And this guy was doing videos about how all men of God are demonic. And then he started writing lists and lists and lists and lists. And then she had come to warn me with this video. So I asked her, this guy that you were watching, uh -huh. simple question. Do you have any proof of him ever making an altar call? One day, her eyes opened, boom. She looked at me like, oh my God, no. So his calling eh, is to identify everyone in the field of the Lord's harvest. And he has never won a soul. So what is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? I asked her. And she looked at me. The Bible is very clear that you shall be witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be witnesses. You see, the power of the Holy Spirit, according to the judge of scripture, it makes you a witness of Jesus Christ. Is this man a witness of Jesus Christ or he's a witness of other men's faults? Paul says, when I was among you, I sought to know nothing and be acquainted with nothing, Amplified says. And carry the conscience of nothing among you. Save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Are you deeper than Paul? Do you know why Paul sought to know nothing? Be acquainted with nothing? Make a display of the knowledge of nothing and to be conscious of nothing? Save Christ and him crucified? Because he knew if he does not get a hold of the head, he's in trouble. But what does the word of God say? Can you judge this sister according to the word? And if you can judge them according to the word, what does the word tell you to do? You see what I'm saying? And they don't even have a clue. You find believers carrying hatred of fellow believers. Hatred. Oh, I hate that man. I hate that woman. She's this and that. And you want to get into the heart of this person. Ask them, since when did you actually have such hate in your spirit? And you are convicted. That is godly anger. Yeah, some people call it godly anger. <laughs> but they don't know that the judge tells us, the true analyst of godly anger, the true teacher, you cannot have godly anger when you're not moving in love. And not only love for the oppressor, but the oppressed. Or for the oppressed only, but the oppressor. Nelson Mandela said that many invest on the deliverance of the victim. They never ask themselves what manner of bondage is in the mind of the man who holds these people in bondage. You see, people saying, oh, Nelson Mandela spent 27 years in prison, Robben Island. But the man who could put Nelson Mandela in prison for 27 years is actually more in bondage than Nelson Mandela. He's more in bondage. Why? Because how could you get a man and put him aside and arrest him and kill all his most active years of life? Because he's saying that we are all equal in the eyes of God. And some people still think that up to today. I got a case of a child whose parent doesn't want them to marry another person because they come from a nation where they had a history of enmity. The Hutu and the Tutsis. And so the mama said, you're a Tutsi, you cannot marry a Hutu. In 2021... In 2021, when Rwanda is trying to move on from that, there's a parent who will tell their child not to marry. You see what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah.
And those are the people who also go to Europe and they say, oh, these people are racist. <laughs> what? What? You see what I'm saying? That's why I see the answer is in the chat. Somebody shout hallelujah. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1, the Amplified Version, he says, Now listen and give heed, O Israel, to the statutes and ordinances which I teach you, and do them that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord your God, your Father, gives you. In other words, if you go against the way of truth, you are frustrating your inheritance. You're frustrating all the good that is supposed to come to you. And next verse 2 says, You shall not add to the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you to do. Don't make the word say what it has not said. Don't add to the word. And don't take away from the word. Don't take away from the word. Don't, don't say that the word doesn't say when it says because you have people who in their conviction even disqualify principle and they said no the bible doesn't say it and then you open it and they still say no it doesn't say it me i know that it's it doesn't say it. and then you see a demon on this person you're like but the word is plain simple the word is plain simple the word is plain simple okay let's have a conversation on what i have had in africa really europe but mostly africa this conversation of cults. Let's have a conversation of cults. They're cults. Devil worshippers. Let's have a hard conversation. Cults. This person is a cult. We hear, we have heard, we've seen. This person is a cult. Let's have a conversation of cults. Now, the true judge, the true analyzer, the true critic and designer of a cult. Huh? I hope we still agree that the word of God is all these things. That he is the true exposer. Of the cults he goes in first john chapter 4 and then he's trying to give us a conversation of how to discern somebody whether they are of god or not this is a true judge he says beloved he says believe not every spirit so he has warned us not to believe every spirit not everyone who speaks in tongues prays this way does that way is actually of god you agree so he said don't believe every spirit you don't just wake up and a guy sings or prophesies or says, and then you believe it. Okay, somebody comes from hell and says, this person is a devil worshiper, and you believe them immediately. But God has told you, do not believe every spirit. Or a man comes and he starts teaching things that you agree with, and you believe him immediately. You're also wrong on both accounts. You understand? You're wrong on both counts. You're wrong for somebody to bring an issue against somebody, and you believe them the first time. And you're also wrong to just believe somebody because you've heard them make a statement. But he has told us, but try these spirits. Try these spirits. Don't just believe. Don't just take it in. The Greek word there for believing is pisteo. Don't just take as true everybody who preaches. But you see, they only end in the people who are preaching. They don't end in the people who carry the messages of the people that they are cults. Why are you then quick to believe those who tell you that this sister or this brother is wrong? You see what I'm saying? Do not be quick to count as true. Pisteho. Do not be persuaded easily. Pisteho. Do not give credit to an account easily. Do not place confidence in a statement easily. That's the word pisteho. Right? Do not believe. But he said, try. Try. Meaning test meaning examine, meaning scrutinize, the Greek word dokimazo, 
examine whether the Bible says they are true or false. Whether they are of God. Because it says because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now let's continue. Verses 2. He tells us. Now here is how we know. He says, hereby know ye the Spirit of God. This is how you know whether a man is under the Spirit of God or not. This is how you know. He says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. The word therefore confess is homologio. Homologio. Meaning, to agree with. So he says, everyone that agrees that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Homologio means assent to or concede. Anyone that concedes or agrees that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Everyone that prays to praise. Homologio also means to praise. Everyone that praises the fact that Jesus is come in the flesh is of God. Did you hear that? He's come in the flesh, is of God. Verses 3, and every spirit that confesses not that Jesus is come in the flesh is not of God. Do you agree? He says, is not of God. And that, the Bible says, is a spirit of Antichrist. Wherefore, ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. So, he has told us, nobody can say that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. But what's the interpretation? That Jesus died for our sins and was raised for our glory. Nobody can say it except by the Spirit of God. Now, if the Bible has said, do not take or add. Do you know many people when they read that scripture, they take away from the word? How do they take away from the word? And say, somebody can actually say that Jesus is come in the flesh, but he's under another spirit. <laughs> Whoa, you are in trouble, sir. Do you know why you are in trouble? Because you have assumed that Jesus is so weak and stupid to say that you cannot and then you say it. Or, in your other version, that Satan is so strong that even if Jesus says you can't say it, Satan can still send a messenger and he says it. <laughs> Who has understood what I just said? Now, if I say, and I say, I believe that Jesus Christ is a true son of God, that he came in the flesh, was dead, and raised from the dead for the propitiation of our sins, and there is no name that is given in the earth, under the earth, and in heaven, wherewith any man can be saved, except the name of Jesus Christ. I cannot say that by my own power. And then somebody says, but the Bible says that do you believe that there's one God? Even the demons believe it and they tremble. Yes, but the judge said they can't confess it. No, 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 no. Read James 2.19. He says, if you believe that there is one God. He says, you believe well. The devils also believe and tremble. The next line doesn't say and confess it. They cannot confess it. 
The devil believes that Jesus Christ is Lord. But he cannot confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He cannot confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yes, they believe it, but they cannot confess it. And then you get a brother or a sister who confesses it. And you have had them not only confess it, but in their praise express it. You have had them in their message agree with it. You have had it in their exegesis consent to it. And then you say that that man came from hell because somebody who came from hell saw him there. Walk to that man and tell him, say Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. You'll see. Just walk to him and say, you say Jesus is come in the flesh. If the Bible says he cannot, he cannot. And when I hear a man say it, it doesn't matter how much conviction you have, you are the wrong one. Let God be true and every man a liar. I hope I'm helping some people. You can never build a doctrine on conviction if that conviction contradicts with principle. If that conviction contradicts with truth. You cannot. You should not. The person you're accusing is not the one in trouble. You are the one in trouble. You are the one in trouble. Maybe he or she preaches something you don't agree with. Maybe they're wrong in their teaching. But have they said that Jesus is come in the flesh? Huh? Call them confused. But don't say that they are of another God. Because if you do, then of whose God are you? Because it's clear you're not the God of the Bible. You're not the God of the Bible. One time I was taken in front of the group of pastors who had accused Fanero of some that I don't even have a clue about. So I said to them, and I said, well, I have heard all of you. Thank you. Can any of you disqualify me by scripture? I just asked a simple question. About eight. I said, can any of you disqualify me by scripture? But you see, we need to study. No, I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But can you, right? Because you've called me. Can you disqualify me by scripture? Uh, but you see, they said, no, 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 no. Can you disqualify me by scripture? I said, no. I said, but I can disqualify you by scripture. They said, uh-huh, okay. I told them, the Bible says, you cannot judge a man except you hear him. You have judged me before you heard me. Have you ever listened to my sermon, sir? No, but your people tell us. No, no, have you ever heard me? No, but your people tell us. That's my point. So you're already disqualified. The Bible says that the first and second admonishing of a man, you shall regard him a heretic. Have you admonished me? No. So how can you regard me a heretic except by another spirit? You know, I think we need to go back and listen more. I'm still waiting for them to call me back. They're still listening. <laughs> you know why I insist on this? These are things we should not waste time on. But I have realized that some people are so young. Doesn't matter how many years they've gone to school or been in theology school. Doesn't matter how old they are. Some people are so immature that they have not learned to hold fast the head. Are you hearing me? They have not learned to obey the truth. Okay, sister so-and-so is false because she stole. You mean stealing is enough to take a man out of Christ? You understand? Do you know the power of doctrine? 
So don't add to the word of God. Don't make it say what it does not say to justify a conviction that you cannot qualify through scripture. You are in trouble. Somebody shout hallelujah. You will be in trouble. And do not entertain anybody that does not come with the head. Understood? Don't entertain anybody that cannot come with the word to dispel anything. Don't welcome anybody that cannot justify anything through scripture. Because fruit is a very interesting thing. Fruit is a very interesting thing. That's why heaven is going to shock people. Because some people will find us there. Some might see us there. <laughs> when they're not there. You understand what I'm saying? But especially, and I always tell my people, especially, be careful with a brother or sister that is winning souls. Because you might set yourself against the kingdom, the very kingdom you think you're building. And that's a very dangerous place to be. It's a very dangerous place to be. I've walked this life for years and I've seen nobody has fought me and they're in a better place than I am in any way. In fact, many have either died, fell in sick, poor. Something has happened. Do I glory in that? I don't because I know what they could have become if they stayed to Christ. Not me, even. Christ. Keep Christ. Just keep to Christ. You don't even need to come to my church or anything. You don't even need to submit to me, submit to any other church, but keep to Christ. The author and finisher of your faith. You'll be well. Somebody shout hallelujah. Oh, this sister, we have heard she does this. What does the guy, the analyzer say? The analyzer says, go to them. The teacher says, go to them. The examiner, the exposer of truth says, go to them. If they fail, carry another word, person. If they fail, carry a third person. If they fail, carry the church. See? So the person you're talking about, the sister you're backbiting, have you talked to, talk to her, sorry? Have you taken time to talk to her? No, I haven't. So by what right? in the name of conviction, do you have to frustrate the principle of the truth for you to say that you are still right even though you have broken the law of God? How are you right? How are you true? How are you true? How are you true? You are speaking about a brother and a sister to everybody except to them. You're sending messages. You're doing all of these kinds of things to a man or woman of God, except to them. You think God doesn't want to serve them too? He wants to. Even when they are at worst, the Bible says, treat them as sinners, publicans. And with publicans, we preach the gospel because the law of love is so royal that it is not subject to only those who treat you good. It's also for those who treat you at their worst. The man you serve put over his hands to be crucified for people he was laying his life for. The man you serve. He was lashed by them he came for, to die for. That's the man you serve. Wouldn't you do that for another person? For there's no greater love than when a man can give his life for the salvation of the brethren. Paul says, I wish that I was a cast off for the sake of my brethren, the Jews. How can we, in conviction, walk out of the basic law of love and still say that we are true? 
How? Do you know how many churches pastors are tearing themselves left, right, and center? Every day they are killing each other with their lips. This person is this person. I've seen this. I've seen. They're doing all these kinds of things. Have you gone to this person to help them restore? Listen, if you have failed to restore them, can you at least pray for them? Because the scriptures tell us, just pray for them. Because that's what this man, the exposer of the heart, tells us. But you see, at the end of the day, you're going to do all of these things and you're going to stand before the true exposer, the true analyzer and the true judge and you'll appear to be anti-Christ, not the person you're fighting. Recently, I was with a pastor friend of mine, old man in the ministry, and he was telling me about this man they're criticizing in town. And I asked him, but have you ever sat down this man and seen whether he's doing these things by mistake or he can be restored? Have you ever tried? No. He said, then you have no right. Let those who sat him down have the right, but not you. Not you. And I told him, but even the person you're attacking has never spoken against you. They've never mentioned your name or your ministry. So if I was to judge by scripture, who is walking more in love? Who is walking more in love? The cult they're attacking every day or the cult that has not said anything against them? Who of them is walking more in the way of God? You can't confuse our generation because our generation has read the word. It has read. It was read. You played your time, but our generation has read the word. And you come do everything, accuse your peers. But when you come to us, the younger generation, don't put that into us. Show us Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. Oh, demons are living, demons are living, demons are living. <laughs> Let's thank God for the word tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Holy Spirit, we want to thank you for your word. We repent where we have judged, analyzed, examined and tested, added to the word or taken away from the word. We repent where we have done anything of that sort if it's contrary to the head. Help us. Help us. Help us and deliver us. Restore us and let us serve you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I thank you. I honor you because you've heard our prayer. And those who are free, are free. And those who insist, we also understand what's at work within them. And we will continue to pray for them. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed and believed in those and said, Amen. If you have never given your life to Christ, you want to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. I just want you to confess these words with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you shed your blood for my sins. You were raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 
4291 or email us at funerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.